As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an agriculture business, how do you create alternative proteins in the investment landscape? This is one of the topics we'll be discussing today. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode, I'm grateful to have Heather Courtney. Welcome, Heather. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited. Heather is the CEO of Alwin Capital, investing in alternative protein seafood, whose main focus is plant-based and cultivated seafood. Alwin Capital is an early-stage investment firm that focuses on removing animals from the consumer supply chain. Heather has been a vegan for 25 years and in that time has witnessed the exponential growth of the plant-based food sector and knows the space intimately. Before founding Alwyn Capital, Heather worked as a lifestyle and portrait photographer in New York City for over a decade, helping fashion and lifestyle brands define themselves through visual storytelling. With a background in photography and visual communication, Heather can help new companies communicate with their consumers. Welcome again to the show, Heather. Thank you. One thing I did not mention when I sent you my bio is that I'm actually a biochemist as well. That was my first career, but I realized pretty quickly that there wasn't a whole lot of headway to be made without doing animal testing. So I had a bit of a career shift early on. I wanted to talk to you about that first, because when I was <laughs> in the Philippines going to, to university, chemistry was one of my favorite subjects. But coming from a third world country, we didn't have as much opportunity for jobs for chemistry. So I ended up doing accounting. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with that. How... Did you, as a biochemist, as a photographer, ended up being in the alternative protein industry? (laughs) Well, I mean, I started as a consumer. I've been plant-based for over 25 years and was really interested in what it took to actually get people to make that transitional shift from eating a meat and dairy heavy diet to understanding, you know, the health benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. And then not only the health benefits, but also environmental benefits I mean, when you look at the industry as a whole now, you know, 25 years later from when I grew up drinking Eden soy, soy milk, and the only option was a garden burger or something like that, we've come such a long way. So when I got involved in investing, it was really through trying to understand my own portfolio of publicly traded holdings and understanding that there was a step that you could take it further rather than doing negative screens and taking things out of your portfolio. 
there was an opportunity through very early stage investing to make a great impact for not only the entrepreneurs, but for the landscape in general and helping them grow early stage companies so that we can get additional companies out on the publicly traded market like Oatly and beyond and try and actually change the food landscape as a whole. So that was kind of how we got started. My partner at Allwin, Robert, came on in 2018. And that was when we formally launched. And so we've now built a portfolio of 18 companies. And we're really excited. Really excited about plant-based, about cultivated. And we have a a large holding of seafood companies that are working on cultivated approaches. And we're super excited about the seafood space because it's a totally blank canvas. There's no real leader. It's amazing to actually meet people who are trailblazer. I'm was wondering, you mentioned you just started in 2018 and how much it's grown just in that short span of time. Did you envision actually working in this industry just because you were vegan? Is that how it kind of dawned? Um, no, you know, I've had a passion for environmentalism and animal rights for my entire adult life. And I think it was something that sat on the the outskirts of my life, it was never a career focus for me. But as soon as I saw the opportunity in early stage investing to really kind of translate some of the things that I know from working in a biochemistry lab and working on you know, drug discovery, I worked in pharmaceutical drug discovery, and seeing how those early stage entrepreneurs and people that are working in a lab can actually grow a business from that. So understanding that perspective, and then working as a branding photographer in New York City for over a decade, understanding kind of how you speak to consumers about the choices that they make. So understanding that I had value to give to both sides of the business. And then also, you know, from an investment perspective, it made sense from a mission alignment point of view for us to get involved in this as well. So that's one thing I really admire about you. When I first met you, you were really clear in terms of the vision on who you're working with. And so maybe give our audience a snippet of the big vision of the company. I know you already mentioned about alternative protein, about culture, but maybe from a perspective of even in alignment with what the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal is. Yeah. So I understand that you guys are primarily probably interviewing people that are working in sustainable aquaculture. And while you know this isn't going to be an overnight change, but the vision of Alwyn is really to disrupt the entire animal economy and to really see a transition take place where people aren't looking at alternative proteins as necessarily alternative. It's just protein. So we can create plant-based, cultivated, or fermentation-enabled food products that are exactly the same as what we would typically get from an animal. And we approach this as we have to build out a more sustainable food system in cooperation But truly, in our heart of hearts, we see cultivated fermentation and plant-based technologies as being the leaders in this shift, and they will be the long-term end goal. But we'd love to see other people working on different sustainability solutions within the landscape just to try and bring the global greenhouse gas emissions level of our food production system down. I think it's incredibly important. And like you heard me say when we met at Interfish, you know, cultivated seafood isn't going to happen overnight. So we have to be cooperative in the work that we do and try and make to make our food system more sustainable. That's just wonderful. Say that those three words that you mentioned, cultivated, fermented, and what's the other one? So the three are plant-based. So there's a plant-based alternative. There's fermentation enabled, which is using either yeast or microbes to create an animal-based protein through fermentation. And then there's cultivated meat, which is taking the original animal cells and growing them 
outside of the animals in a bioreactor. So those are the three pillars that we focus on within the, the food sector of our portfolio. Again, I'm really, really impressed with the way that you guys are so laser focused on what you put your big bang for your buck. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you see seaweed in this whole landscape? I mean, we've invested in a microalgae company that's based in France called Algama. They're working as an R&D platform to create protein and other food commodity items through microalgae. And then we also have been looking at an alternative for using brown and red seaweed for protein as well. So there's a company that's actually called Umaro, who's creating a bacon product from, I believe it is red algae. I'd have to fact check that. Please don't kill me, Beth. <laughs> Beth is the CEO there. And they started They started actually as a seaweed R&D company as well. They started as Trophic. And they were working on just developing a protein from the seaweed as kind of like a platform to start creating additional food products, but pivoted and they're actually going to launch their own bacon. So look out for that. That's Amaro. They're not a portfolio company, but we're super big fans of theirs. I'm so delighted to hear all these new alternative. I don't, even though you mentioned we probably shouldn't call them alternative. It's like we're being discriminated. <laughs> <laughs> but bacon out of seaweed, and I already mentioned I knew that there's also this sushi made of mushroom from California called aquaculture. So all this, I would just say new protein emerging is quite wonderful to actually see. So I was going to ask you future trends in the business, but you kind of already mentioned plant-based alternative cultivated meat fermented and able. So maybe I can, instead of asking, what do you see as a future trend in the sustainable aquaculture business, or maybe even in your investment landscape, maybe let's go there because you started with startups, just supporting them. How do you think you can advise small to medium enterprises to be able to be more competitive in this new protein industry? I think one of the things that the industry as a whole is kind of struggling with is right now, most of our alternative protein offerings in the seafood realm are based on plant-based, right? I mean, cultivated is a far way off from being a scalable solution, as is fermentation-enabled technology. So right now, our focus is on developing the infrastructure for plant-based protein development in alternative seafood. And... A lot of the offerings are created through high moisture extrusion, which is using high temperature and high pressure to create a meat analog with plant proteins. So either it's yellow pea, soy, wheat, or a mixture of all three. It goes through an extruder and it comes out the other side, you know, pressure and temperature dependent. It may have more of like a flaky texture or it may sort of pull apart. But a lot of that is limited to the infrastructure that has been built around high moisture extrusion. So right now we're really excited about a couple of different companies that are working on really developing the texture of a really delicate flaky texture of fish because steak, analogs, beef, chicken, pork, all of those are a little bit more straightforward when you're approaching them from a plant-based solution. But fish really hasn't been cracked. Seafood hasn't been cracked yet in the plant-based world. And so making a more delicate texture that mimics the experience, the culinary experience of eating fish is really something that we're excited about. So there's one company that's based in Toronto. They're called New School Foods, led by Chris Bryson. They have been working with Protein Industries Canada and have gotten a bunch of grant money to kind of like build out the, the R&D and the infrastructure behind their approach. And 
Robert and I were actually lucky enough a couple of weeks ago to go up there and talk with them at their lab and see their product. And the texture is so delicate and it's it's really unlike anything else that we've seen on the market. So we're super excited about that. Anybody that's approaching creating plant-based texture that is more like the seafood experience. I'm glad that you mentioned that we've always in our industry because we're into shellfish and because our product is a mollusk. We always say that people eat with their eyes, but it's very important what you mentioned about having a delicate texture because Mm -hmm. they would want it to probably not so much make a big fuss that there's a big difference between plant-based and what they're used to eating. If they're just being introduced, for example, maybe someone who just started being vegan, not to be shocked by the system or something like that. Right. And that's one thing we haven't seen is anybody that's tackling mollusks or crustaceans of, well, I guess those aren't crustaceans. So, so you educate me here. So what type of animal is a mollusk? So the one that we culture and produce is actually a king clam. So it has a big shell and a very long neck. And because it's a Frodishak, it's actually looking like a penis. And the way that we have to present them to the market is so that it doesn't look so, I don't want to use the word gross, but it's, it looks like (laughs) that when someone sees it. And so the way that our presentation has to be done is again, it has to look beautiful. And of course it's sashimi or, or if they want it in their congee or it's stir fry we have to make it pretty but i haven't really that's why it struck me that it has really actually also be delicate texture because if somebody is eating it new or doesn't know the animal then they are probably feel like it's icky or something but that's that makes sense but yeah it's a mollusk (laughs) okay yeah we haven't really seen a whole lot of plant-based alternatives to those food offerings you know i mean we've seen shrimp we've seen kind of a whitefish filet or crab cake or something like that, but we haven't seen mollusks at all. So you might, you might have just sort of opened up a new world for plant-based offerings. Maybe somebody should be starting a plant-based mollusk company. Oh, I should probably take a look into that and then I can... You should. <laughs> <laughs> because we were approached before too, because I remember sea cucumbers were all already being used at as protein, but they process it so that it looks like a nutritional food supplement. And so they were asking us to do the same. So, but it makes sense to have like, if, I mean, if they have bacon based on seaweed in sushi, that's from mushroom, it shouldn't be rocket surgery. Right. (laughs) But anyway, my last question to you is what's one thing you can advise a leader in this industry, you being a leader yourself? You mean in the investment industry or from trying to start a company? Probably from the industry. If you're an entrepreneur and thinking about getting involved in this, I would say think very closely about your supply chain. I think as we start to see pressures from the public markets and supply chain constraints, having redundancy in your supply chain is going to be super important. So if you take kind of an approach from the where are we getting raw ingredients? How are we maintaining that we have a secure supply chain? How can we make sure that our customers are getting the same quality of product at the end of the day that they expect? That's super important. I think a lot of entrepreneurs start companies because they get really excited about the idea of like creating a product and they want to see it on the shelf of Whole Foods or wherever it is, but they forget that there's all these parts of the business that go on behind the scenes. So understanding that is really important from an investment perspective. I would say that we're in the midst of a very turbulent economic environment. And we have seen the closer you are to the public markets, the more your 
valuation as a company is going to be affected. So the later stages, we're seeing a little bit of pressure to adjust valuations, not specifically in food tech. Food tech has kind of ridden out this pretty well, but definitely in you know fintech or the later stage like ed tech, health tech, those kinds of things. And we think that that's going to probably happen in food tech as well. It will start to come down a little bit. So from an investment perspective, just make sure that you've got enough dry powder to see some of your portfolio companies through these challenging times ahead and really focus on building companies that have low cash burn, strong revenue, really are solid businesses. So approaching it from that perspective, I think, is the correct way to start a company. Well, thank you so much, Heather. My biggest takeaway from our conversation today was when you were mentioning about delicate texture on how it really landed on me, how not just from perspective, I guess, of just I mentioned from the eating with their eyes, but I guess the five senses has to get involved to be able to make that a more, I guess, from the marketing standpoint, make it more robust. Thank you again. How can they get in touch with you? They can send me an email, heather at allwincapital.com or go to our website. We have a contact us page there and I'm also on LinkedIn. Thank you again. To our subscribers, do leave a review of the podcast so we can get more people aware of the value our guests are providing in these conversations. If you're new to the podcast, I'd like to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again, Heather. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.